Well, we have been working our way through the Gospel of Matthew, and uh, we've traveled through the first two chapters over the last couple of weeks. And uh, if we were to go into chapter three this week, it would be the ministry of John the Baptist, which we're going to look at next week. Uh, but, but Matthew leaves out the backstory of uh, what took place that, that brought about the ministry of John the Baptist. So every once in a while, as you travel through the Gospels, one Gospel will emphasize a certain story and another Gospel will, will leave something out or, or just, you know, kind of say it a little bit different. So this is one of those times I wanted to go to Luke's Gospel and bring about the, the backstory as to how all of this takes place. So our story is going to pick up about 15 months before Jesus is born. Now in this story today, what we're going to see is part of this is going to be about fulfilled prophecy, and that's going to be important. But also part of this today is going to be a picture of two believers, and they're both believers, but, but they're very, very different in their response to the Lord. And in this, we get to choose which kind of believer we're going to be. So uh, we won't read every verse in Luke chapter 1. I'm going to hop, skip, and jump. And uh, also, uh, once again, this is about 15 months before Jesus is born. And so I'm going to pick it up in Luke chapter 1, verse 5. I'm going to read through verse 7 with your pen in hand. And this kind of uh, opens up the the whole passage. In verse 5, it says, In the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest, and I've underlined priest, whose name was Zacharias, and I've underlined that of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And you want to underline that. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord, but they had no child. Because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both, and you want to underline, advanced in years. Advanced in years. So a couple of things as we we unpack this, uh, Zacharias is a priest, it says he's of the course of Abijah. Now in those days when uh, the temple was first built, the work of a priest was overwhelming because they only had so many. Hundreds of years have gone by, and at this point they have about 24,000 priests, just because of the tribe of Levi continuing to to multiply, which is where the, the priests came from. And so what they did was they divided up the, the priests in these courses, they would call them, and uh, the, what they, there were 24 of those. And what they would do is each course would come to the temple and they would serve for one week, one entire week, and then they would go home and then later on in the year they'd come back for another week. So this is his course and uh, they are there and it's his week to serve. Well, we also notice something else. In this uh, passage, we notice that his name is Zacharias. Now, the original way of saying that in Hebrew would be Zachariah. And names are very important in the Bible, and they, they tend to create pictures for us. So uh, his name there on your outline, I've put it, Zacharias, uh, we, they would call him Zachariah. Uh, Zachar means to remember, and of course, Yah is the word for God. So Zacharias, his name is, means God remembers. His name means God remembers. And he marries a girl, and her name is Elizabeth. Now, in their language, they would say El Shabbat, where El would be for God, and Shabbat, there on your outline, would be oath or promise. So uh, her name would mean God's promise. Now, you and I take a very high view of Scripture. So we believe that every word in the Bible is there by design. It's God's word. So 
he marries this girl. These two, na- these two teenagers get together and they, they get married. And when you take their names and you put them together, Zacharias, Elizabeth, or Zechariah El Shabbat, it, it forms a phrase. And so I want you to write this down there in your outline. Zacharias, Elizabeth just means God remembers God's promise. God remembers God's promise. Together they would be a reminder that God remembers God's promise. And that's important because in that day, the big question was, God, do you remember your promise? You see, 400 years earlier, the Old Testament had been completed, uh, ending with the, the book of Malachi. And the last couple of verses in the entire Old Testament, I put there on your outline. This is how the Old Testament ends. It says, behold, I will send you, and I want you to underline, Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So they were waiting for this one who would precede the Messiah. They knew that when he showed up that the Messiah would be next, not years, but literally months, months. And so, but it's been 400 years and they're beginning to wonder, God, do you remember your promise? But there was also another promise. And one of the things that, that we highlighted was that, that Zacharias and Elizabeth are advanced in years. They're well beyond the childbearing age, but they had a promise. And that promise was all the way back in the book of Exodus. And notice what it says there in your outline. It says, in your land, your women will not miscarry. And then I want you to underline this part, or be barren. So God had promised way back when, he said, you know, if, if you follow me, your, your, your wives are going to have babies and it's, you know, there's going to be no miscarriages. And in that culture, because they took that so serious, if a woman didn't have a baby, the rest of the, the population would look on and say, well, there must be some sin in your life because God's apparently holding that back from you. Well, verse 6, it said they were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. And again, verse 7, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both advanced in years. So they would look on and they would say, God, what, what did we miss? I mean, we, we lived the right way. We did our very best to represent you and, and, and everything, but this has never taken place. So their question to God would be, God, do you remember your promise. Well, we pick it up in verse 8, and it says, now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. So uh, once a year in the temple, uh, you're you're probably familiar that the, the high priest would go into what's called the Holy of Holies. This is not that event. This is a course of priests coming to the temple, and they would choose someone by lot, they'd cast lots, and whoever it fell to, this one would go before that, that area called the Holy of Holies, not in it, but outside of it, and they would burn incense. So again, there's 24,000 priests. Most priests would never get to do this in their lifetime, and so this would be pretty much the apex of your career. Well, we pick it up in verse 10, and here's what it says. It says, and the whole multitude of people were in prayer outside the hour of incense, of the incense offering, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. 
Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel and fear gripped him. Now, you, the, the reason for that is you typically didn't see an angel when you went there to burn incense before the Lord. And if you did, it, it probably wasn't a good thing. So that he's, he's concerned that, that this angel shows up. Verse 13, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard. So go ahead and underline that. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. So underline the word John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. And I've underlined those words. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while he is yet in his mother's womb. And uh, verse 16, it says, he will turn away, he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. And it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. And I do want you to underline the spirit and power of Elijah. And then he quotes from the last couple of verses there in Malachi, and he says, to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous, and he will make a people ready and prepared for the Lord. Ready and prepared for the Lord. So a couple of things. The angel appears and says, you're going to have a baby, and this baby is going to be very special. And so part of this baby's calling is that he's not going to have any wine or liquor his whole day, his whole life. Now, his cousin Jesus, on the other hand, is going to drink wine. But John has a very special calling on his life. So it's going to be a little bit different. In verse 17, uh, it says that he would come in the spirit and power of Elijah. And that's to let us know that this is not reincarnation. This is coming in the spirit and power of Elijah. And his name will be John. And we underline the word John. So Zacharias and Elizabeth will get John. And I want you to write down John. And uh, because names are important in the Bible, what does John mean? Uh, John just means, uh, there in your outline, the grace or mercy of the Lord. Was there a place to write John or did I just put that in there? There was no place? Half of you say it was. (laughs) It's there already. Are are there other blanks on the outline? Okay. (laughs) Okay, so... So John will mean the grace or mercy of the Lord. That's going to be important for our study. The nation is going to get the forerunner of the Messiah, the Christ. But he says to Zacharias and Elizabeth, but you in your old age, you're going to have a baby. And again, the baby's name is going to be literally the grace or mercy of the Lord. So in this case, it wasn't that God had forgotten his promise It was that God wanted to do something so incredible, so unique, uh, something very, very special. So this is very, very good news. So how does Zacharias respond to this? Well, verse 18, it tells us and it says, Zacharias said to the angel, well, how will I know for certain? For I'm old old, and my wife is advanced in years. Uh, There's a couple of things there that um, are important. First of all, Uh, you notice that he says, at least in my translation, he says, I'm old, but my wife is advanced in years. That's wisdom. Just never say your wife is old. (laughs) Now, if you have the King James Version, how many of you have the King James Version? And it says, my wife is well stricken in years. Don't say that. (laughs) Stick with advanced, okay? Go with a modern translation. So um, 
One of the things that we see about, he says, Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know this for certain? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Now, what I love about Zacharias is he represents many of us many, many times. He's a, a good temple-going guy. He's a priest. He's in temple leadership, religious leadership, we might say. He's lived a godly life. But uh, one of the things that we're going to find out about Zacharias, and you want to write this down, is that Zacharias is what we would call an unbelieving believer. An unbelieving believer. He says, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I know what the Word says. I know what God says. But, you know, I've been around a while. And, uh, you know, I, there's just no way that this can take place in my life. So, you know, how, 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 in the, how could I know for certain this is going to happen? So like so many people then and now, what we find, and you want to write this down, he, he believes in God, but he doesn't believe God. He believes in God, but he doesn't believe God. And there's a big difference between believing in God and actually believing God. So God says, guess what I want to do? And uh, he responds with how that can't be true. And so, uh, you know, he's saying the, 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 these promises that, that, that can't apply to me. So, um, so, well, we'll just pick it up. So he says, how can I know for sure? And uh, he's an unbelieving believer. It just doesn't make sense. I love the angel's response. We're going to find that this angel is Gabriel. And uh, Gabriel said, you have to read it a certain way. So verse 19, it says, and the angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I'm Gabriel. Uh, I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you to bring you this good news. That's Gabriel's way of saying, you know, me just appearing here for a lot of people would be evidence enough. You know, I'm, I'm Gabriel. I mean, what else do you need? What else do you need? So, um, so he is a non-believing believer. So what happens in the life of a non-believing believer? What would be the outcome or the result? Well, we're going to pick it up in verse 20, and it says, the angel Gabriel keeps speaking, and he says, and behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place. And here's why. And I want you to underline this. Because you did not believe my words. You did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. And so one of the things that we find is that because he doesn't believe the word that's come from, in this case, the angel, ultimately the word of God, one of the things that we're going to find, and you want to write this down, is he can't speak for God. He's not going to be able to tell the testimony of the great God story. That's just not going to be part of what, what he's able to do. I also want to add, and, and for you statisticians, I might be straining the ratio here, but see if this makes sense. But uh, we're also going to find that he can't hear from God. Hearing is going to be removed. Uh, on your outline, later in the chapter, when John, his son, is born, and that'll be down in verse 62, but I put it there in your outline, it says, they made signs to his father as to what he wanted him called, and he asked for a tablet, and he wrote as follows, his name is John. The reason they had to make signs to him is he also couldn't hear. And so hearing is removed from him at this point. Now, it's interesting, uh, it, when you look at this and you ask, you say, so you're an unbelieving believer, you don't believe, the angel has appeared, he has told you exactly what God wants to do. Now, is Zacharias going to receive wrath? Is he going to receive rejection? We say, no, no, he's still going to get John. 
And uh, what is John? Well, John, again, is the grace or mercy of the Lord. You see, that, that's encouraging because many times we find ourselves in the place of being an unbelieving believer. We believe in God. God says something. We have a hard time believing it, although we believe in him. And, and, and so that doesn't bring wrath into our lives. We still get the grace and mercy of the Lord. But, but what does take place is we're going to find in the story is that it's not what it could have been. There's not going to be a testimony, a story of how great God or all that God was doing. Well, we pick it up in verse 21, and it says, And the people were waiting for Zacharias, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. Well, verse 23 says, when the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. And uh, he goes home, and I'm going to to suggest to you, and and maybe it's a little bit different, but I'm going to suggest to you that what happens when he goes home, he can't speak, uh, he can't hear, but he shows up, he kicks the front door open, he has a bottle of Mogan David kosher wine, and he has that look in his eye like, daddy's home. (laughs) And he's hungry for love. And so Elizabeth, being advanced in age, she sees that. She tries to escape. So off she goes. She's like. But she is no match for Zacharias. Now, tell me if this is true. Verse 24. See what it says. I think I've nailed it. Verse 24. After these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant. So apparently I'm not too far off in my description. And she, she kept herself in seclusion for five months saying, this is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among women. So that's their story at that point. Now the chapter goes on, and as the chapter goes on, something that we looked at at Christmas time, we've looked at over the last couple of weeks in, in our first couple of studies in Matthew. But a few months after this, the same angel Gabriel appears to Mary. And he tells Mary that she also is going to have a baby, and this baby is going to be the Son of God. She's a virgin. She knows what this means. And again, we've looked at the story. So I want you to skip down to verse 34. And Mary, she responds to everything that the angel says. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? Her response isn't, how can I know that what you're saying is true? Her response is more, okay, well, how is this going to be because of this, uh, this current situation? So you know the story. The angel tells her that she's going to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. And again, we've talked about that quite a bit over the last few weeks. But skip down to verse 38. And Mary said, behold the bond slave of the Lord. And I want you to underline this. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So again, I put that on your outline. Mary said, behold, the, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So she says, you know, I'm your servant. However God wants to do it, that's fine. Let it happen according to his, to his word. Now, unlike Zacharias, who's been around for a while, and we find that he's in temple leadership, he's a good temple-going guy, and he's certainly been around for, for quite some time, Mary, on the other hand, and you want to write this down, she chooses to be a believing believer. Mary doesn't just believe in God, she actually 
believes God. There's a big difference between believing in God and actually believing God. So I I wonder in Mary's life if there's going to be a different result, and we'll see. So I'm going to pick it up in verse 39. I'm going to read through verse 45, make a couple of comments, and then, then we'll unpack that. Mary, verse 39, it says, so at this time Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Judah. And of course she goes to see her cousin whose name is Elizabeth. And over the last few weeks we talked about how um, in that day, if you were found to be pregnant and you were not, you know, you'd not been with your husband, they, that was a dangerous thing for you. So, so she realizes in a hurry she needs to go, and, and so she does that. Verse 40, it says, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Now, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, and I want you to underline a couple of things here, the baby leaped in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she cried out with a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby, and you want to underline this phrase, leaped in my womb for joy. But make sure you underline all of verse 45. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. What had been spoken to her by the Lord. Now, just because we're here, I want to talk about something that's kind of outside of our sermon topic today, but something that we see here. In our world today, one of the things that you'll see is that there are people who are pro-abortion and there are those who are against abortion. And one of the reasons that Christians are so adamant against abortion is because of what takes place in this passage. We notice a couple of things. First of all, uh, Elizabeth is six months pregnant at this time. John is in her womb. And in verse 44, I had you underline, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. So one of the things that we notice is that inside the womb, John was able to express emotion or experience emotion. You want to go ahead and write that down. He experienced emotion. And in verse 41, it said, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary is pregnant at this point, and she shows up. She has Jesus inside of her. And so John responds by leaping for joy. So one of the things that we come to understand from that is even in the womb, the baby can, and you want to write this down, can recognize the presence of God, can recognize the presence of God. So from a Christian perspective, we would say it's not a fetus, it's a baby. It's a baby because of what we see in taking place here. There's a fascinating story, again, it's outside of, of our uh, study today, but something that when you go home today, please read, take some time and read this. Back in Jeremiah, Jeremiah has one message, and the message is for the country. And uh, the message is this, that there is judgment coming upon the country. And there are two chapters that are vitally important. I put them there on your outline. First of all, there's Jeremiah chapter 19 where he says, this is what the Lord is saying. And as he says this, he begins to lay out the sins of the nation, why God is bringing judgment. And uh, as you read that, you find that God is also saying, 
we're not doing at this point the whole, if my people who are called by my name will pray and humble themselves. He says, that's not what we're doing. This is what we're doing. And he lays it out. One of the reasons that he says, I'm bringing judgment on the land there on your outline in Jeremiah 19, and you read it later on, uh, it says, they have filled this place with the blood of innocent children. In ancient Israel, they would give birth to the child and then they would immediately sacrifice the child to, to the pagan god. Here in the United States of America, we, we do that inside the, the mommy's, inside the mommy's womb. From God's perspective, this is something that he said, I'm bringing the whole nation down because of. And uh, what's very interesting is that the nation of Israel had killed a few thousand babies, whereas we are told that we in our country, it's, it's over 60 million, 60 million. And uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating study. What's also interesting is as you read Jeremiah 19, God will say something, I'm paraphrasing, but you read it, and God says, it's so wicked that I didn't even know that I had to make a law about it. And uh, so, because they began listening to another voice saying this was okay. You go to Jeremiah 28 when God has said, because of this, I'm bringing judgment. In the temple, false prophets are standing up in the temple and they are saying, our best days are ahead. It's all coming together. And I encourage you to read those two passages because they have very, very uh, significant implications for our day, for our day. So you want to read that. Now, let me also say one other thing. If you're here today and uh, you've been through an abortion, you've had that. Many, many, many people have. And I want you to know, like Zacharias and Elizabeth, you don't get wrath. You're here today. You've repented and uh, you're, you're in fellowship with the Lord. You get John, the grace and mercy of the Lord. You see, you were listening to a voice and God knew that you were listening to a voice and it wasn't his. He knew beforehand the voice that you were listening to. He knew the voice that called you to do that. And even before you did, before we did, he was already preparing the way for us to come back, to come back and be back in fellowship with him. So if you've been through that experience, and many of us have, no reason to go forward with sense of guilt. Go forward in, in freedom and go forward in forgiveness. But that's why we as Christians take such a strong stand against abortion. Does that make sense? Okay, big downer moment. We're going to move on. Verse 45 again. He says, he says, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. She knows that Zacharias had received the word from the Lord, uh, but, but, and, and he, he was a good guy. He was a temple going guy, but he was an unbelieving believer who believed in God, but he never came to the place where he actually believed God. And so it has an effect in his life. So he still gets the grace and mercy of the Lord, and that's great, but he misses out on so much. Mary, on the other hand, she receives an outlandish promise from the Lord. You're a virgin. You're going to be pregnant. You're going to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. She says, may it be done to me according to your word. So if she is a believing believer, what will be the outcome in her life that would be very different than Zacharias? Well, um, one of the things that I'm going to suggest, unlike Zacharias there in your outline, Mary believes God and can't stop talking about God. 
So I'm going to read a couple of verses. I'm not going to read all of it, but I want you to underline a couple of things that, that we highlight here. So I'm going to pick it up in verse 46, and it says, and Mary said, my soul exalts in the Lord. Underline that. And, and my spirit has rejoiced in, underline God my Savior. Verse 48, she says, for he has. Verse 49, for the mighty one. Verse 51, he has. Verse 51, the next line, he has. Verse 52, he has. Verse 53, he has. Verse 54, he has. Verse 55, he has. And Mary stayed with her about three months and then returned to her home. So one of the things that we notice is that, that she can't stop talking about God and what he's done in her life. Very different than Zacharias. Another thing that we notice about Mary is she apparently keeps hearing from God. Go ahead and write that down. She keeps hearing from God. On uh, your outline, God is speaking through Elizabeth. And we just read it a moment ago, but verse 41 and 42, it says, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and in a loud voice she exclaimed, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. So here, God's not speaking to, to Mary through an angel. Here, he's speaking through somebody else who is a very godly person who's once again confirming what God is doing. So in our story today, there are two kinds of believers. And when you, you read, as we travel through the Gospel of Matthew, one of the things that we're going to find is that Jesus is not just giving his disciples more and more information. What he's doing is placing them in situations where they will have to trust him more and more. The, this walk with the Lord is something where we trust God, he, he shows up, we have the faith, we trust him for the next step, and he continues to show up. For many people, they come to the place where we believe in God, but we never come to the place where we actually believe God. So, so for those people, sadly, it, it's, it's, it's more about getting more information. Now, here, here, once again, let me say it. They still get John. They still get John. The grace or mercy of the Lord. But we miss out when we do this. As a parent, I can tell you that if you want your kids to grow up excited about the Lord, having them in church, telling them to be moral and uh, is not compelling. What is compelling is when they see you as a mom and a dad or a mom and or a dad, however your family is structured right now, trusting the Lord and being a believing believer who believes God and they see God show up in your life and you have those faith stories that's exciting. That's exciting. But there's nothing compelling about just going to church and being moral. Having God's stories is very, very compelling. So maybe, maybe uh, you're here today and you say, I I'm not hearing from the Lord. And um, I really find myself having a hard time speaking for the Lord. We've all been there. We've all been in the place of the unbelieving believer. We don't want to live our life there, but we've all been there. So what do I do? Well, I think first of all, we have to recognize that we're in that place. And uh, what I've learned in my life is what I, I notice in Zachariah's life. And uh, you see if this makes sense. But John is ultimately born. And uh, there on your outline, I've put at the end of the chapter, it says, they made signs 
to his father as to what he wanted him called. And he asked for a tablet and wrote as follows. His name is John. And they were all astonished. And at once his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. And he began to speak in praise to God. It's interesting that what, what he did was he came back to the last thing that God said and he began to declare that. So there on your outline where it says, if I'm not hearing from God or if I'm not hearing from the Lord and having a hard time speaking for him, a good thing to do is go back to the last thing God said. And many of us can point to a time where God spoke to us and he revealed something. It was an impression by the Holy Spirit. Trust me in this way. Step out in this way. Put me first in this area of your life. And for many of us, we believed in him, but we never came to the place where we actually believed him. And the experience beyond that has been one where we're having a hard time hearing from him and we're having a hard time speaking for him. If you want that freed up, you go back to the last thing that God said and watch what happens. For Zacharias, as soon as he does that, he immediately begins to speak and to hear and to begin speaking praises to God. Does that make sense? And with that, we're going to close in prayer. Did you find that interesting? Well, for the two of you that did, thank you very much. We've we live in a society where uh, abortion is very, very common. And uh, many of us have listened to the wrong voice. And uh, I want to encourage you that there's grace and there's forgiveness. And let me just say, many of you know my story, that when I was in high school, I was in church all the time, and my girlfriend and I went too far, and she got pregnant. And uh, the worst part of that was we made the decision because we didn't feel that we could go to our family, we didn't feel that we could go to our church, and we didn't feel that we could go to our friends because we were Christians and everybody would know. And so we made the terrible decision and I paid for it. And I thought we were getting out of this free. And then she came out and uh, she said that she said that the thing that hit her the most, I mean, obviously the pain and everything else, but she said when they took the baby out, the nurse said, oh, it's a little girl. And that for me changed everything. So I have been there and I've had to come to the place like you and receive God's forgiveness. And like Zacharias and Elizabeth, I didn't get wrath. What I got was the grace and mercy of the Lord and it's the same thing that he wants to give you. So you go forward in forgiveness and restoration and let God use you, but never, never again listen to that lie that says that this is okay because it's not. Make sense? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you so much that in this story with Zacharias, he was an unbelieving believer like we have been so many times. And, and yet, he didn't get wrath. And he made some decisions and said some things, but you gave him the grace and mercy of the Lord. Father, for those times where we have been unbelieving believers, give us the grace and mercy of the Lord. We know that you do. So we receive that by faith and we just trust. We know that there's another voice that comes to tell us that we don't get that, but that's a lie too. We do. 
Father, as we go forward, remind us of the last thing that you said, the place where you said, trust me, step out here, follow me in this. Help us to come back to that and help us to be able to speak for you and to hear from you as we go forward and to be everything that you want us to be. I pray, God, that you keep us till we meet again. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and all God's people said, God bless you guys. We'll see you next time.